All right, are we ready? I'm so ready. You don't need any water or anything? Nope, I think I'm good to go. Brilliant. Now we are talking into the microphone. It's picking up our voices. Stranger, would you like to say something? Please? I am also saying things and possibly getting a bit... I'm getting a bit excited. Yeah, okay. I enjoyed I mean, we're, this show. There's going to be a couple of moments uh, where we all get a little bit excited. Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. Podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. Try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. What do we know about Hustle? I literally know nothing. You told me it's a British conman show and that's all I needed to hear. What do you know, strangely? So at some point, I think almost a decade ago now, somebody told me, you like Ocean's Eleven, you like con man movies, you should watch this show. It's pretty much just Ocean's Eleven once a week. Ooh. And I was like, but it's a British show, so it's Ocean's Eleven six weeks every two years, right? And my friend was like, well, no, they made more episodes than that. Uh, the pilot is... I wonder then if it's similar to Leverage, because yeah. I have described Leverage to people as like Ocean's Eleven, the TV that show. That wasn't so it, it. If it's if it's anything like Leverage, I'm super on board because I loved that show. I have also heard it compared to Leverage. Uh, it's one that hasn't really gotten any kind of a wide release over on this side of the pond, unfortunately. So uh, we've managed to. I'm glad we've managed to track down a copy. It's just not very well known over here. It's sort of just kind of this small niche thing that still managed to run for, I believe, like six seasons. Hmm, not bad. The The first episode is called The Con is On. I hope it is. Which Leverage, I at least, like Leverage does have con men characters, as does Ocean's Eleven, but it's more of a heist series. Whereas I think this that's true. Yes. this series is more of a con series, based on what little I've hold. More emphasis on the conning, yeah. Because leverage, there's a lot of conning going on, but it's all in service of. There's pretty much a heist every episode, right. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we're sort of flying in blind on this one, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, I was actually uh, for some reason when you first said British con man show. I thought of this show called Keen Eddie. Have uh-huh. you ever seen that? No. It's not a con man show. It's about British cops. In fact, it's about an American cop who moves to England and like works with the English cops. It's, it's a sort of a tenuous setup. But like for some reason, I kept thinking of that every time you'd be like British con man show. I don't know why because there's no con men in that. But I... Like, now I'm picturing it being like Keen Eddie. So if anyone's listening to this who's seen both Keen Eddie and Hustle, and you're like, ha, 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 they're not at all alike. That's a funny thing for you to imagine me going into Hustle expecting it to be like Keen Eddie. Also, we should do Keen Eddie for the show later since you've never seen it. All right. But I don't know if anyone remembers it, so maybe there's no point. But let's go check out Hustle. All right. All right. We just watched Hustle, which is a BBC show, mm-hmm. uh, which ran for eight series from 2004 to 2012. Six episodes a series, <laughs> so 48 total. It ran for thir- for 50 years and nearly 30 episodes. Anyway, so what were we wrong about in our What We Know? I don't think we were 
notably wrong about anything. It is a British con man show. I think you said it ran for six series. It ran for eight, close enough, between five and ten. I did say it reminded me of Keen Eddie for some reason, whenever you'd mention it. And honestly, I bet they came out around the same time because I did feel like there was a, a just a vague similarity between them, even though, yeah. I, that, yeah, that wasn't a con man show. There was an interesting, like, stylistic way that things from that period-ish kind of were filmed, like, to be all, like, slick and, like, bam, bam, bam. Like, I, I'm reminded of the sort of the Barry Sonnenfeld Ocean's Eleven kind of style again. Yes. Something that also influenced, I think, Leverage. And it, it felt very much like something of that period of like these kind of breezy shows. Oh, yeah, definitely. This uh, this shares a lot of similarities with Leverage, even though this is purely con artistry. This is cons. Right. Whereas Leverage was a heist show that relied very heavily on, on whimsical con fuckery. Yeah. This is purely the con. Uh, but other than that, lot of similarities yeah. uh, in the in the way it's done and the way the crew is introduced and all that. Yeah, so yeah, nothing nothing particularly wrong, so we can just move right on to our synopsis. Yeah. Infamous con man named Mickey Stone rounds up a crew for one last con before retiring and ends up taking rookie grifter Danny Blue under his wing. How it's, do you think I did, Stranger? Is that a good, that's a good one to synopsis? I think you pretty much nailed it. Yeah, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I think I'm getting pretty good at these one-sentence synopses. <laughs> so the format of this synopsis is going to be a little bit different just because a very large portion of the like first third of this episode is kind of this almost montage-feeling thing introducing our main con artists. And also so much of the first episode is a con, which it, it's very intricate. There's lots of little moving parts. There's visual things that come into play later so we don't want to go into too much detail because we do really want to say at the top here if you have not seen the first episode of hustle and you are in for for a con man show pause this episode go dig it up we had to pirate it sorry bbc um because it's not on any streaming services find it any way you can watch the pilot and then come back and listen to this because there's some really good stuff in there that we would hate to spoil for you. Yeah. If you're a fan of like Ocean's Eleven or Leverage. Leverage. Yeah. Absolutely. Or white Collar. Yeah. Any of that kind of nonsense. If you wish White Collar was a little bit better. Um. If you wish the colors were slightly whiter, possibly sometimes. Uh, Actually, sort of slightly less polyester. white considering this cast. But um, yeah, just we, we did want to say at the top, we're going to dig into everything and go into all of the, what happens in this episode. And there's a lot of fun in here that I think genuinely surprised both of us. Mm-hmm. And so if you think you're on board for this, please consider putting this episode off uh, so you can watch it first. That being said, let's dig in. We open uh, with a montage introducing us to the cast. Mickey Stone, he's the ringleader, an infamous con man. He's never been caught, but he just recently got out of prison for like some very short stint for a totally unrelated crime. Uh, and now he's saying, you know, I don't. I want to do just one last con so I can end on a high note because I chose to, not because right. you know they made I got me. Caught. Yeah, and, and his nickname is Bricks. Mickey Bricks. 
It's like, uh, his name is Mickey Stone. Nickname? Mickey Bricks. Because bricks are stone? Kind of, I guess. It's weird. Weird alias. Not, whatever. It's fine. Uh, he's also a, a rare expert in the long con. Uh, he's rounding up a crew of other grifters he's worked with to do this woundless con uh, so he can retire. The crew consists of uh, Stacy, the skirt, really. I mean, I wish she was more than that, and I hope she becomes more than that. But she has a romantic history with Mickey. She seems to, in the pilot, pretty much exist to be the woman. She is a, a grifter. But, yeah, and... but the cops' uh, uh, characters do give her the benefit of a, a one line saying, she's not just a pretty face, she's a, a she's a real grifter, maybe even as good as Stone. So. She's, she's also shown to be the most competent pickpocket of the group, and whenever they need something lifted oh, yeah. off another person, she's the one doing it. But it's always her running into a man and then touching his arm to be like, I'm so sorry. You know, it's, it's always, she's the fact that she's a woman is part of everything she does. We also meet Albert, the old school American grifter. Uh, he oozes that old money vibe that lets him get in yeah. with, uh, rich assholes. Uh, despite they establish she is a former shoe salesman from the Midwest, which is adorable. Uh, and Ash, the everyman, he mostly pulls, like, small-time cons. He's a flop man and a fixer. Uh, we're going to use some con man terms, you guys, because we're con nerds. Strangely knows way more than me. He had to tell me what a flop man is. Uh, it's an so intentional it's, victim. Yeah. So he will, like, intentionally step in front of people's cars, get hit by them, and then it's established at some point that he actually has, like, a long-term fracture in his skull yeah. that keeps showing up on x-rays, but apparently it keeps looking fresh, or whatever. Uh, that's either just how x-rays work, or it's like a bit of TV fuckery. Hand wavery. Yeah. yeah. So, the, yeah, he, he pulls this con a lot, apparently. He's kind of the, he's, he's a fixer. He gets things done. He sets things up um, on, the, on the, the, like, kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? The kind of the smaller level. Yeah. He's the guy who scrounges up. They establish that none of them have enough money to pull off this big con they're trying to do. And so they have to scrounge it up with small cons. So, like... You know, Stacy bumps into a guy and steals his wallet. Ash pulls off a little con where he like glues shut the the dis the yeah. cash dispenser on an ATM, then hangs out for an entire day while people keep walking up trying to get cash out of it and assuming it's just malfunctioning and then leaving. And then he walks up, thumps it really hard, and the cash just spews yeah. out. So he, that's his level of con. Uh, we also meet Danny Blue a small-time streetwise grifter who wants to move up the con man ladder. You know, he's pretty much just, uh, you know, ripping off little old ladies and, uh, you know, conning his bartender into giving him free drinks with uh, the basic card tricks. Uh, but he needs Mickey's guidance to move up the ladder, as it were. Uh, we also meet uh, Detective Sergeant Terry Hodges, a no-nonsense fraud investigator who wants to be the one who catches Mickey Stone. Yeah, she really has it in for Mickey. Yeah. She says, she points out it's a point of pride among fraud investigators all over the country to be the one who finally catches Mickey Stone. And also, uh, De Palma, I think they say agent. It's implied that he's he comes from higher up. He's been sent from higher way up, up the food chain yeah. to lead this investigation. Yeah. And uh, Stone, uh, and so Hodges basically becomes his second in command for this investigation because she's been leading it up to that point. So the crew sets up a pretty straightforward con 
a version of The Wire, which is a, an investment with a no-risk return. The, 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 the Wire is a really old con, and essentially what it, what it goes back to is back when horse races and things that people would bet on from long distances would be reported over a wire. The idea is if you could somehow interrupt the wire and delay the information by, say, five minutes... Yeah. You could fool a mark into thinking that you had inside information when you really didn't because you would go, uh, Seabiscuit is going to win in the third heat. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Seabiscuit wins in the third heat. It looks like you're fixing every race. Yeah. So the traditional wire scam is you you set up sort of a what looks like an underground establishment for betting on these horse races. And then you make it look like you know the, the outcome of every race before it happens. Yeah. So the version of the wire that they're doing here has to do with like the stock market and investments happening, but and it's just essentially the same thing. Having a delaying this information now in the modern age by nine tenths of a second, but their computer can do these calculations, you know, three hundred times a second. So you know they manage to pull this off. So um, they find a rich, greedy businessman. Albert ropes him in with some old boys' club rapport. Uh, brings him to Mickey, who's playing some kind of financial guy who's figured out this trick um, to do basically undetectable insider trading, effectively. Yeah. Illegal, but <coughs> foolproof, they say. Uh, meanwhile, Danny shows up, and after initially being rebuffed by Mickey, kind of forces his way into the con and proves himself useful, but he, he, he just barges in after Mickey told him to buzz off. So yes. Mickey's not super pleased about it. Soon after Albert reveals, he actually found Danny, thought he had promise, and sort of put a word in this bartender's ear to send Danny his, you know, to to Mickey. So Albert actually engineered this whole thing without telling Mickey. Mickey kind of reluctantly agrees to let Danny stay in the con. As the con continues, uh, eventually Hodges and De Palma bring in Danny and offer him a deal. They say they have enough evidence to arrest the whole crew, but because the Mark has friends in high places, the higher-ups who have sent De Palma are saying, you need to get enough evidence to basically convince the entire crew, not just to arrest them, but convince them all to plead guilty Mm -hmm. so that it can avoid a trial, which the Mark would not want. Right, because and this this is an essential piece of a lot of traditional cons is that the mark is generally too embarrassed to report yes. it, which is something that in a lot of other con stories that I've seen, uh, at least popular ones, is often left out. And I like that that is like integral to the plotting and of this episode. Yeah, one of the reasons that Mickey's never been caught is no one ever wants to testify because everyone's always too embarrassed mm-hmm. uh, to go after him. And that's, that's an essential part of the, the information they have on Danny that they use yeah. to try to convince him to, uh, to, testify. to testify. So they kind of offer him immunity. Like, you just go back to the crew, do exactly what you've been doing, but when all is said and done, if you give us your testimony, we'll let you walk. Uh, Danny is very conflicted here because he wants in with mm-hmm. Mickey's crew, but also he just had a little heart-to-heart with Mickey where Mickey basically tells him, like, you always look out for number one. At the final handoff meeting, you know, they're about to get this giant suitcase of cash from the Mark, which is the whole point of this whole con. Danny shows up and is about to warn Mickey because he's decided not to turn on the crew. But the cops barge in, reveal Danny was their inside man before Danny can actually do anything about it. Mickey then grabs a gun, tries to shoot Danny, 
but to Palma shoots him instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, at which point I was like, oh, I did not see this coming. What is happening? Like, <laughs> I mean, at the, when the cops barged in, I was surprised. I thought, right. ah, Danny now is going to prove himself to the crew by telling them what's happening and somehow saving the whole con and saving them all from the cops. But before I can do that, the cops all barge in and you're like, wait, what? Everyone's caught? But how? And then when De Palma shoots Mickey, you're like, okay, what, what is going on? This actor is way too charismatic not to be the lead of the actual show. Right. But he just got shot in the head. Like, what is going on? The Mark, uh, you know, is brought back to the precinct. Hodges is trying to convince him to, to testify and he's saying, no freaking way. Uh-huh. Uh, I, you know, I my reputation is on the line here. You give me my money. She says, I can't. It's evidence. He goes, well, then let me go. And since he's not actually under arrest, she has to let him go. He leaves, refuses to admit he was involved in this. Then we go back to the hotel room. Danny, who got like knocked out or something, I guess, kind of wakes up and De Palma's yeah. like, you did good, kid. And he's like, how can you? You? He's really distraught yeah, over Mickey being saw, shot. Yeah. He did not want it to go down like this. And De Palma basically says, well, here's a, you know, slides a a pen and paper across the table and says, write up your testimony. Like, this is, this is the moment. This is your last chance. Uh If if he gets, cause he goes like, I'm not a cross. And De Palma says, you give me your testimony or I bring you in with the rest of them. I'll make sure you get at least five years. And in that integral moment, Danny says, basically, fuck off. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And at that moment, the whole crew barges in with champagne. <laughs> yeah, they're like, congratulations. Yay, you did. Oh, we knew you'd do it. Stacy kisses them on the cheek and they're all shaking his hand. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And then in strides Mickey, notably not dead. <laughs> yeah. To say, basically, this, essentially this whole thing was vetting you. Yeah. Like, clearly they had already set the con in motion when he barged in uh, because he didn't know about, uh, D- Mickey didn't know about Danny initially. Right. Alfred, uh, Alfred, Albert. Albert brought him in. Basically, turns out De Palma was their inside man from the beginning. He let the rest of the crew out, stole uh-huh. the evidence money. Then you see they're cutting back to Hodges, like, going, where's, where's my, yeah. where's my suspects? Where's my, oh, they were written, signed out. By whom? De Palma. And then... We then find they we show them looking up to Palma and seeing a photo of the real Agent De Palma. Yeah, there's a little throwaway bit at the beginning, which seems to be just setting up Stacy as a grifter who, you know, uses her wiles to grift men by pretending to be a prostitute or pretending to be into them. Because there's this whole bit that shows her like right going up to this seducing a man really schlubby looking dude in a car and seducing him and and handcuffing him we see him still handcuffed to the bed with like water bottles set up and like a a tube it was actually kind of clever she set him up so he wouldn't die but he would stay out of the way for this con yeah i thought that was kind of a nice touch practically like a hamster bottle of water and he kind of looks fine like he's not upset he's just like well here i am yeah it's kind of cute we also see this cops shredding the entire file from the investigation and danny's saying like what won't the cops Still, they have all that evidence and they're like, well, they won't bring it to, you know, they won't do anything about it unless they want to admit that the entire investigation was led by one of the accused. Right. Because, you know, De Palma, what did he say? The, and the, the the guy who's who's been playing De Palma this whole yeah. time has had this very stern visage of yeah. kind of like. Very Clive yeah. Owen-y yeah, sort like, of like. Get get ready. We're going to take, we're going to take them all down. But British. 
Yeah. And then and then when he reveals himself to the other con artists, he's like, they're like, oh, yeah, good thing Tom came through town or whatever. And he goes, oh, yeah, anything to help. I just love to help out. I'm just passing through. Just yeah. this, like, delightful, sweet little Irish yeah. accent, like, it's comes out of this man. so sweet. He's just giggling and, like, happy it all worked out. It's a great little turn from that actor. And then at the very end, they've all got champagne and they toast to Mickey Stone's last con. And Mickey says, you know... The greatest grift of all is when you get to pull one over on another grifter. And they're all looking at him like, what? And he's like, well, I had to say it was my last con or you all wouldn't have, uh, I had to bring, do something to bring the whole team together. And they're like, oh, you, you old so-and-so. Basically, yeah, his whole, this is one last con was absolutely just to convince everyone to come in on the on the yeah. on the on the con and that is delightful so now we know that they have a nice long eight season run of whimsical con fuckery ahead of them so that is hustle the pilot the, yeah the title of which was the con is on you might as well have just called it pilot come on yeah <laughs> that's barely even a title All right, so now we can move on to our first segment. Where did the money go? Nothing notable. Yeah, this this honestly seemed like very tightly budgeted and and done with lots of location shooting and just sort of like small. There was nothing even that I would call a, a noticeable set, like maybe the hotel room. But even like just kind of the camera angles and everything that they were using just generally seemed to be location shooting. Yeah, I feel like possibly the only location we saw that we will see again mm-hmm. is the bar. Yes. We see uh, Danny hanging out in a bar and the bartender is the one who tells him Mickey Stone's back in town. And we find out later that Albert told that bartender hey, send, yeah. point Danny in Mickey's direction. And we, we did look up and find out that that bartender returns. Yeah. He's a regular character, so. He also has a line, something about, like, all you types or something. It's like his bar is where these con men hang out. That's true. He knows, yeah, he knows he goes. But he's <sighs> not involved in the cons, but he knows all the con Yeah, he people. goes, you, you people kind of freak me out. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, th- I predict that bar is going to turn out to be a hangout spot. So that could be a set that they built. I wouldn't be surprised if everything else was either an existing set or a location. Yeah. I would guess, yeah, they probably spent a decent amount of the money just on making this pilot feel a little more cinematic, which is pretty common with big concept pilots like this. And um, on, yeah, a lot of outside shooting to make it feel a little more mm-hmm. cinematic, maybe. Yeah, so we can move on to our next segment. Clips and chips. So this is the segment where we talk about uh, any predictions for the first season cliffhanger, any ships that we have, or just general predictions, really, uh, yeah. for the future of the show. Which, interestingly, they set up Mickey and Stacy as having a bit of a history. Mickey also has... An, a wife? An ex-wife, or his wife died. Danny says something about, what about your wife? I heard about that, sad, or something like that. Yeah. I heard what happened, I'm sorry, or something like that, to imply that there's a sad story there, that Mickey's wife is no longer in the picture. We don't know if it's because she died. Or left him. The implication is that his relationship with her somehow led to the events that got him caught for an unrelated, a non-con-related crime 
that get him sent to prison. I don't know that that was like the only bit of world building we really got, other than uh, the the detective and the fraud investigator who really seems to have it in for Mickey. Yeah, well, I just I thought it was interesting. They set up this sort of rapport between Mickey and Stacy when he first approaches her to get her on board. Yeah, it's very flirtatious. She she hugs him. She's delighted to see him. Then she slaps him, and he's like, "What was that for?" And she says, "One phone call in two years." Because he was gone. He was only gone for two years. Yeah. Relatively short stint. But then he's like, come on, are you in? And she kisses him on the cheek. And then Danny tries to flirt with her. And she says, you know, I don't fuck people I work with. And he goes, does that apply to everyone or just the foot soldiers or something like that? Looks pointedly at Mickey. And she goes, don't ask questions that don't about things that don't concern yeah. you or whatever. But I didn't perceive any chemistry between the two of them, honestly. Between her and Mickey? Between Yeah, between Mickey and Stacy. Yeah. And... It'll be interesting to see whether that actually develops, whether they are endgame stuff or it's just sort of a fact that they have a bit of a thing. Like, I just, I didn't perceive any real chemistry between the two of them. Speaking of cast chemistry, even though Mickey and Stacy don't have like, I'm not quite buying that they were once like romantic. Yeah. The chemistry of Mickey, Stacy, Ash, and Albert as kind of this old crew that's done a lot of stuff together. Yeah. Is really lovely. Like, there's the scene right before uh, Blue, Blue, what's his name? The Danny name? Blue. Danny Blue uh, presents himself Very to Mickey and says, Let me in. The four of them are sitting in the hotel room, kind of getting stuff ready and like, Albert is shining his shoes and Ash is making some fake money or something. And Stacy is, you know, putting together bundles. They're just kind of all like doing some sort of like chores and, and prep work. Oh, and there's and that their moment where yeah. Ash and Alfred are, Alfred, I keep saying Alfred, Albert are playing that card game where you like lick on a card, stick it to your forehead. Yeah. Like, they're just playing a card game together. They they definitely have that family vibe. Yeah, and they really capture that really well. Like, I feel like so often on ensemble cast shows where they want the ensemble to have existed prior to the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. there's this tendency to tell the audience how much these characters mean to each other and how they're a family and so, so, so. But it never really... I rarely buy it in a pilot. Like, either you have everybody kind of meet each other for the first time, like something like Firefly, where you they're kind of all coming together, or you you really have to work very hard to sell that. And they just, like, right out of the gate with that scene of the four of them prepping, they just sell this really nice group chemistry of the four of them. And, you know, there's a lot of little things implying that Albert has been this mentor to Mickey... But it's yeah. clearly letting Mickey, like, run the crew. Yeah. And there's no, like, weird, like, dynamic of him still trying to be in charge. Like, he clearly, like, oh, yeah. he's, is he's, just cool respects, with his, yeah. yeah. He respects Mickey's skills. He's not, he's like, that's fine. And Mickey, he's, he points out, he says, are you sure you really want to retire? And Mickey says, you would, too, if you could think of anything else to do. Yeah. The implication being that Mickey wants out so he can stop risking things and just kind of enjoy life or whatever. Whereas the implication is that Albert is a lifer. This is, this is what he does. This is, he does it for love as much as money. Right. I love the rapport of the family, but I, in terms of romantic ships, there's no, there's nothing really here. Even though they gave us Mickey and Stacy, they don't really have a rapport 
there. Despite the fact that Mickey is extremely likable. That's one of the things that I love about the casting of that actor. And we're going to talk more about that actor in a minute. He's very, he's good looking, but he's not, uh, he's not model. He's not Hollywood good looking, yeah. which has a little bit to do with the difference. Uh, like the UK has, has just different yeah. standards of appearance than US TV. You constantly see people, even as love interests on UK TV, who would barely even be able to get the, the ugly best friend on American TV. And it's really refreshing. But he just has, despite the fact that he is not gorgeous, he is so extremely likable. Yeah. He just has that face that you want to trust, which I think is something great because there is an inclination, I think, in a lot of con man stories to make the con artist character gorgeous. Like, in white collar. Uh-huh. Neil is just boringly pretty. And I think the inclination is that writers want to go... Oh, well, pretty people are used to getting their own way, and being pretty helps you get everything that you want, so cast the con artist as a pretty person. Right. Uh, luckily, you know, leverage doesn't lean into that quite so much. I mean, Gina Bellman is one of the be- most beautiful women on the planet, hashtag my TV wife, but everyone else in the crew is, they're still all attractive. Still, the the the, the leads on leverage are still not American TV attractive, which is actually kind of surprising. Yeah, they're all good-looking, clarify we are not saying that people are unattractive they obviously are they're on tv uh but <laughs> none of them are and even gina bellman is like i would argue maybe like slightly older than if they wanted to cast someone who is just the hottest tv hot right. that you can hot the the it, i think yeah what we're talking about is is something that we've touched on before in pilot house this kind of idea of like the uncanny valley of people on certain like if you go into like yeah. the, like kind of the top network shows the 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 attractiveness of people on them is often it's just like where would you where did you come from what yeah. planet are you even from yeah. yeah and that is something that i love about british tv is like the you know just the people on you just see much more normal looking people yeah. and it's it's really nice and normal looking people get to be love interests they don't all have to be Beautiful. I'm reminded of the story that Jim Rash tells. Um, uh, he played the dean mm-hmm. on Community, but mm-hmm. is also a writer. Yeah. Um, more. He does more writing than acting. Academy Award winning Jim yeah. Rash. Yeah, yeah. Academy Award winning writer Jim Rash. You may only know him as the dean. He tells a story about uh, he and another writer, I'm forgetting his name, were pitching a show that didn't end up getting picked up that was based on the two of them. Mm-hmm. And the network pitched an actor to play Jim Rash, the character that was that was either named Jim or was his avatar on the show. And Jim Rash said, oh, I don't know. Do, do you think he's a little too leading man looking to play me? And the network people were quiet for a moment and said, he's TV ugly. <laughs> and he's like, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, I think. No thanks, actually. Yeah, yeah. It, it's that completely skewed vision that American TV has of attractiveness of people. Whereas British TV is like the same 45 people and everything. Yeah. So you're not exactly spoiled for choice. As far as a, like a season one cliffhanger, do we have any ideas? I feel like a villain will appear in episode two. I, yeah, I don't know. Like, Unless Hodges is their... Is their villain effectively not their villain but they're sort of the person they are constantly fighting against i i had a thought a little bit ago 
Uh, and I'm wondering if Hodges is Mickey's ex-wife. And that's oh! why she has it in for him, like, so excruciatingly. Because I can't remember if oh, she showed up she... at the building when the cops poured in. And No, yeah, he takes a gun from her. Right. Mm, yeah, I don't know if that... They, I think they would have tipped the hand at least a little bit. And some eye contact between the two of them or something. Yeah. That being said, I if she does may, become a, a, a continuing antagonist for Mickey and the crew, I want there to be more to that relationship than just her deciding that he's the guy she wants to take down. Because, because everyone wants to take him down, but she wants yeah, to be the one. Yeah. Well, and also just based on who we've seen him go after and kind of what seems to be his MO was like, it's not like he's going after like sweet little ladies and their pensions. Like he's going after assholes. Yeah. At worst, they do that little ATM scam where then they're taking money from normal people. But that's, uh, you know, that's possibly a thing that if enough people report that the ATM was malfunctioning that day and they didn't get their money, the bank will probably cover it. Yeah. It's all people taking out, you know, hundred dollars or less yeah. probably a lot of people pulling out 20 bucks or something or pounds excuse me quid yeah, yeah. so it's th- that was the only part where i was like oh because i do love i love whimsical con fuckery but i like it when they're targeting people who deserve it you know people yeah. who've had too much money and are, are jerks what's well, the satisfying like robin hood type yes thing exactly that is obviously much easier to handle yeah. than Watching someone yes. sell a Bible to a widow. <laughs> it's the exact same thing as in every murder mystery show where they want to keep a whimsical light tone. If you meet the person before they die, they are an outright asshole to everyone. <laughs> Not only because that makes the audience go, ah, yes, it's fine that this person will die. It also makes it easier because you have a lot of suspects if someone's an asshole to everyone. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's that sort of, you need the audience to sort of feel okay about something bad happening to a person. You need to make it feel like that person deserves it. So, and let's be real. There are plenty of real people in the real world who really deserve to be conned. Indeed. Hashtag ban millionaires. Millionaires now. <laughs> Excuse me. We know what? Ban billionaires, but also ban millionaires. <laughs> Nobody needs that much money. I'm going hard. You guys, I'm fucking, I'm so hardcore. Ban billionaires is not enough for me. Excuse me. No one should have more than $1,000. Ban <laughs> thousandaires. I'm very poor, you guys. Okay, moving on. Please support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Pilot House. What will this show be? This is where we kind of talk about what is going to be sort of the regular structure of the the day-to-day slog of this show. Because a lot of times the pilot is a little bit heightened because they're cramming a lot of stuff in. Mm -hmm. Um, They're setting up the world. It's not necessarily indicative of how each episode will be. It seems like this one, I can't imagine. I guess, do you think it's going to be a con an episode? Or are they going to, like pick one big con and do it over the whole season? No, they couldn't possibly. I, I think it's uh, definitely for the first season, I think we're just going to get five more cons. Yeah. Oh, that's right. This is a very, these are very short, seasons. you know, yeah. UK seasons. Six episodes each. Yes. It's insane. This is definitely one of those shows where the second episode is going to be very telling for me uh, in terms of if I'm going to want to keep watching this like, Oh, yeah. All of it. Sometimes within 
the first minute of the second episode, uh-huh. you go, oh, I see where they're going. Yeah. It can be a, it can be a surprise from the pilot. Mm-hmm. It can take a real turn where you're like, oh, I thought it was going to be more about this thing that was in the right. pilot. And it's actually going to be more about this other thing that was in the pilot. But this seems like it's 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 got to be at least similar to Leverage in the sense that every episode they will find an asshole who needs to lose some money. And they will do some fun stuff yeah. to get the money away, possibly with Hodges on their tail at every you know, at every turn or something at every like turn. That. I think that that's the most likely thing. I only thought of the possibility of them having a big con that lasts a whole season because I was trying really hard to think if there's anything they could do except a con an episode. And the fact that there's only five more episodes in the first season makes that more possible, but I, I don't think that's what they're going to do. Right. That's a very modern way of doing shows in the streaming sort of bingeable world that we live in now and mm-hmm. this is from 2004 honestly given the, the tone and style and everything of this first episode i'm so curious if this show is stuck in some kind of uh you know legal limbo like the composer filed suit against them like they can't release it because of some behind the scenes yeah. shenanigans it's bizarre that it's not on any because yeah streaming thing it's so it just seems yeah. like it would be a slam dunk for any streaming service that picked it up absolutely because in addition to all the stuff that we talked about we didn't even talk about the style of the yeah. show because there is this really fun sort of stylistic i want to say conceit i feel like that's not quite the right word but there's this little stylistic thing they do where when one of the main characters is about to do do a do a whimsical fuckery they make eye contact with the camera and smile a little as if we, the audience, are part of the crew and they're looking at us to be like, it's on. It's great. It makes you feel like you're you're in, you're part of the thing. Yeah. And it gives you a little wink that some, some fuckery is about to happen. It's, it's, I, I loved it. I don't know if you felt as yeah. delighted by that as me. No, I, I really enjoyed it. And that, that was stylist, stylistically, it feels very similar to the device of something like BBC's House of Cards or The American Office where or or even uh what was the other uh, the, the Parks and Rec where because the characters are looking at the camera you're getting a glimpse at inner life because we also get to see which parts of these cons the individual characters enjoy the most which I thought was yeah. really fun uh particularly with Albert it wasn't necessarily the moment that he secretly introduced a wallet full of cash it was like the moment when he knew that he was in like that, that I found really fascinating. Yeah. It wasn't the moment he picked someone's pocket. It was the moment where he was like, aha, I have rapport. Yeah. Which is like, that's that character's. He, he, he took the bait. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like with some of the other characters, you know, it's like, ah, it's the moment I did the perfect pocket picking or whatever. Yeah. Cool. There's a thing where he to to bring in the mark. Yeah. He, gets to buy him a drink he, he you know gets his attention and to buying him a drink he f- picks up a wallet goes oh you drop your wallet the guy goes that's not mine he flips through and goes well plenty of cash and the greedy guy goes what do you think finders keepers and he's like oh you're such a card or something and the guy gives a look like oh i meant that seriously um and then he looks and finds the guy's name tries to give the wallet just hands the wallet over to the bartender who's yeah. clearly not part of the con and says <coughs> is he and says is he staying at the hotel and the guy's like, oh, yeah, I'll make sure it gets to him. And the Mark is the one who takes the wallet bag and goes, that's all right. Just let us know what room he's in. And I think that's when yeah. Albert looks at the camera like, 
I not only hooked this guy, I've convinced him now that I'm on the up and up right. because I tried to hand this wallet full of I cash got back. him to hook himself. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. Because that's so much better than if he picked up the wallet and went, what do you think? Money, you like that, right? He's not yeah. leaning him by the nose. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was very, very good. They also did this interesting bit, which it'll be interesting to see if they stick with this throughout the show. Because this is the kind of thing that sometimes shows up in a pilot that they scrap when they get to the real show, which is the the real moment. That's the moment where they hook the guy, but the moment where they get the guy to agree to be a part of the con and where they also truly know this guy deserves to be conned is when they first get him into Hamilton, which is Mickey's character you know, character for this. Mm-hmm. Get him into they get him into his office and he sits him Albert uh-huh. and Danny uh, down, who we didn't mention it when Danny first shows up and is like, "Hello, I, I am to grift. Will you teach me a thing, please, Mister, Mister Stone? I want some more." And Mickey's like, "I bet you watched The Sting too." And Mickey goes, or Danny says, "Uh, never heard of it." Yeah. And then Mickey's like, "Oh." And when he finally introduces Danny's character, he calls him Mister Redford, which is very nice, adorable little thing. Oh, little moment, but. There's a moment where the three of them are sitting down. They're about to be told about the scam. Yeah, the deal. They're about and, to be presented with the deal. Yeah, before he describes it, he says, Now, I want to tell you all, this is a for sure foolproof thing, but it is illegal. Are you still in? He gives them the choice to get out by admitting, Look, what I'm about to do is, as you may have suspected, illegal. And then there's this moment where... Stacy's set down a tray of like a French press full of coffee and some cups because she's the secretary or whatever in the scenario. And as the mark reaches out, he's pouring the coffee. It's a nice visual effect. It's very nice. As he's pouring the coffee, it goes into slow motion. And that's the thing that tells us we are truly in a weird like slow motion moment because the pouring of the coffee takes a very long time. While he's doing that, Albert and Danny both get up and go to the other side of the table with Stacy and Mickey, and the four of them, our, our crew, five. And then five. Ash walks in, oh, Ash even walks though in he's as well. been waiting outside. So yeah. it's kind of this magical it's, realism it's, moment. Yeah, this um, this moment, this is not really happening. This is for the audience's benefit. Where all of them are on the other side of the table looking at this guy, waiting to see if he goes, yeah, let's do this. I don't care if it's illegal. Boom, boom, boom. And they do a little speech that all of them share. They're trading off lines, talking about how... You can never cheat an honest man. This is like the infallible truth of cons that it's never been done. You can't cheat an honest man because all cons rely on the person. They want something for nothing. And Stacey says, so we give them nothing for something. That was a nice line. It was a bit, I mean, I'm sure that's like just a thing. Yeah. Is that something you've heard before? They want something for nothing, so we give them nothing for something. I've never heard that line before. But They did a lot of, you know, they said there's a sucker born every minute. They say yeah. never give a sucker an even break. You hear a lot of that stuff that yeah. people, just things that are said. That sounded so good to me that I was like, that's either the best line of writing in this whole episode or it's just a con thing. But if yeah. you've never heard it, I assume it's not. Yeah. Because you've read a lot. Yeah. I, I, I loved that scene, though, just because... It, I, it just elevated everything a little bit mm-hmm. into this kind of... Because everything that happened before that, there's a lot of speed ramping. There's a lot of slow-mo. There's a lot of just like... 
Ocean's Eleven-y stylistic stuff. But then yeah. that moment where it's like the Arcana has almost become these like avenging angels sort of a thing. It's like yeah, they don't have the justice angle. Ex- right. For example, Leverage has, but it's almost like they're like they're the force in the universe that's going to punish this guy, and it it just made it so like satisfying from a storytelling standpoint that was kind of like this delicious like you you really realized just kind of what a piece of work is this man yeah because once they finish the guys go back to their seats stacy and ash leave um and we return to normal time the mark says hey laws were made to be broken and mickey smiles like that's right you piece of shit (laughs) yeah uh and i didn't think about that but honestly we should have mentioned that under where does the money where did the money go because that that scene would have required, you know, more money. Yeah. More. There, there were a, there was, you know, visual effects involved there uh, that they would have to pay dollars for. So. Right. Um. That 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 probably should have been mentioned. Anyway. Let's move on. Please quickly move on. Final verdict. Did this pilot do the job of a pilot and make you want to watch more of it? Yeah. Absolutely. No questions asked. This is delightful show cast is fun i'm predisposed to enjoy the con man you know whimsical fuckery anyway and some of the stylistic stuff they did was interesting and cool too i mean it's an easy sell for me what do you think yeah just the overall stylistic presentation of this is really fun and and very attractive to me but also just it seems like there's sort of a, a love for the deeper lore of con games in, uh, on display at least in this pilot i don't know how things will shake out over time but it it is something that like sometimes you'll watch con man things and clearly they're just making up you know they're just like oh yeah ever since i did a norwegian stepdad <laughs> the, I, i've the been curious stepbrother the curious stepbrother ever since we pulled off the curious stepbrother you know it's just like some <sighs> made up whatever like what about the prime of miss jean brody ah i can't manage that accent sorry it's Paul Tom you know like, like it's something that even though like the oceans oceans eleven has like a love a lot of love for this sort of thing like there's a lot of like we need two Jethro's a Sphinx and a Leon it's like those aren't real terms you're just saying like kind of words yeah but like in this like you have people dropping dropping terms like flop man and badger game and like I just I was I was entranced by that but also just it was very light and breezy and kind of low stakes. Like in this kind of gentle, fun way, that almost reminded me a lot of sort of some of those, uh, almost like a screwball comedy from the nineteen fifties or sixties, where it was just kind of like a bunch of things happen and we're all having a good time, mm-hmm. and that's what I really want out of a show these days. And also, oh, this show yeah, in particular, I... like, is just delivering that, and it's in an area that I'm very keen on already. Yeah. I just, as you were saying, whimsical sort of uh, slapstick comedy, I Im- immediately envisioned Ash walking in with two small watermelons held up to his chest like breasts, but not as if he was doing it as a gag, as if he was just carrying them that way and the yeah. show was doing it as a gag. Yeah. We forgot to mention this the weird thing where they show the watermelons, and then we reveal that he had the watermelons to test the squib he was going to use on to fake... Yeah. Mickey getting shot. It was very like, later, even afterwards, I went, wait, how did the watermelons factor in? Because whimsy, Sarah. Because whimsy. Whimsical con fuckery. Exactly. 
So yeah, I guess I did want to ask you how you would rate it in terms of accuracy of con man stuff. So you felt like pretty high? Yeah, I mean... For TV. Obviously, for, they're not yeah. trying to be realistic. No, but like... It, but they I, went out of their way to get the terms right and use the names of real cons and not get too silly. In a way that like I feel like a lot of other con man stories are either kind of going for the overall whimsy of the thing with something like the brothers bloom Mm -hmm. or oceans 11 or it's just sort of presented like con men do a whimsical fuckery and people lose money you know sort of like paper moon or um oh god not the grifters there's another movie from the the flim flam man where it's just sort of everything's everything's very whimsical until it isn't but what I liked about this is that there was some attention paid to the nuts and bolts of how these things would actually come together and be successful, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated because I think if you can keep that stuff at least somewhat believable, it will in turn make the character somewhat believable. And even though everybody is sort of really stock archetype in this initial episode, sure. I feel like there's a lot of room for them to grow, especially if they kind of hew closer to reality with the cons, you know, where it's not all of a sudden like, oh, and Stacy also speaks 85 languages or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, I could see a lot of ways that these particular roles could play off each other and really have a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm definitely hoping that Stacy gets more to do and she's given more skills than just being I'm hot. an attractive woman who can pick pockets. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they... They did lean in a little bit into the archetypes, but, like, honestly, no more than you would expect in a pilot that's trying yeah. to paint broad strokes to get you on board quickly. I mean, Leverage leans way harder into the archetypes. They show each character on screen with their title. The Grifter, the Mastermind, the Thief, the yeah. Hacker, like, the Hitter. They, you know, they and they use those terms continually throughout the show to remind you that each one of these people has a title as it were this this show was a little more like look they're all con artists each one of them has certain specialties Uh uh-huh but they're still all con artists yeah that was one of the problems with leverage is that even though it was all heists and they were all supposed to have very specific skills they all still were like preternaturally good at con stuff as well yeah they all were really really weirdly good at accents and at pulling things over on people and all that stuff. So this was definitely an easy sell for me. And I am only more on board with it than I was when you first said the words British con man show, which is about all I needed to hear. So stay tuned for that catch up. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) Might even be some mustard. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Yeah. I I think we got it. Yep. So, uh, get him. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pilot House. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pilot House Pod. Visit our website at pilothousepodcast.com or email us at pilothousepodcast at gmail.com to suggest future shows. Our podcast is entirely listener-supported, so thanks to this week's special guest star, Chris, for supporting us on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash pilothouse to find out how you can become a series regular. Pilot House is a Herringbone Society production. I'll record the... Oh, sorry, I completely forgot. Oh, jeez, I was ready to just go, like, we, talking. We, we, we gotta say it. Oh, uh, yeah. Bye! Bye. <laughs>
Oh my god, we're slaves to our own creation. Uh. Can't get out from under the bay. All right, so we stop that recording? Yeah.